Daily Draft Report. Set your DDR to record now. All right, welcome everybody to Daily Draft Report. It's your daily dose of prospect information for the NFL Draft, brought to you by Campus to Canton. Be sure to check out our family of podcasts, including the Hero Running Back Show with Noah Hillis. Noah Hills, sorry. A quick breakdown of one college running back prospect with analytics and deep breakdowns. Our newest episode was yesterday, and it, he covered Devin Chain. So tonight's guest, we're going to do something different on Fridays. I've been every day been have been bringing you guys one prospect today, but on Fridays, I want to do something different leading up to the draft. Where we do a Friday face-off. And tonight, I'm going to be Sean Archer, and my caster, Troy, is going to be Thor Nystrom from NBC Sports Edge. How you doing, Thor? I, I'm doing great, and shout out to Noah. I, I like Noah's work, and I've, I'm actually going to check out that Ashray thing, because I'm, I'm super interested in Ashray. That guy's... Can I swear on this? Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, sure. We can do whatever, man. That guy is fucking fast. My God, is he explosive. He is. And I'm excited without Spiller there, guys. He's going to get a lot of touches, and I'm excited how they get the ball off to him in space this year. Oh, it's 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 gonna be fun, man. It's gonna be fun. But I I, I I like Noah's work a lot. He was he was one of the first guys outside of Iowa City and outside of myself to really jump into Tyler Goodson, which I really appreciated. So I'm I'm a big fan of Noah. Nice. Yeah, we're happy to have him on on team, man. He, he's good. He was a, a great addition. So for this face off this week, we're gonna argue about the wide receiver one. All right, we're just gonna get right into it. Thor, why is Malik Willis the quarterback one in this class, and how do you see his game translating to the NFL? I will not take any more of these wide receiver one. Damn versions. it! I did it again. I had yeah. the notes. You're, I no, had the, the notes. Quarterback one. What is on my mind today? You're, Good you're, Lord! I, I feel like you're doing this Bill Pollian thing intentionally. No, with, with Malik, I just can't read. <laughs> <laughs> why is he the quarterback one? There you go. Um, he's the quarterback one because he's the only quarterback in this class that has a ceiling where if he hits it, he's unstoppable. And in this class, you don't have any sure things. We, we, we can agree on that premise. Yes. Right. yes. So in that case, I, I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, if you're going to take a quarterback in round one, I don't know why you wouldn't side with the one guy who has the, the ceiling where again, if he hits it, he's unstoppable. Right. That is one thing I agree with you. His ceiling is insanely high. I do love the athleticism, the arm. Uh, the, I just loved watching the other day and, and pro day. The He's definitely got like a little bit of swagger and fun to his game. You know, I, I like seeing that. I like seeing him laugh and goof off and stuff like that. So then what do you make of his inconsistencies and in his turnovers? Because that's all a lot of what I saw this last year on tape. Yeah, well, so the... There was, and, and that's there. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, the, the In 2020, it was the fumbles. And so there, there was the one year where it was fumbles, one year was the interceptions. I, I might be doing it backwards. But he, he cleaned up the fumbles this past year, which was the had been an issue when he was under pressure and he was scrambling. And the, but then the, the interceptions ticked up a little bit, which hadn't been, you know, as big of the issue in 2020. But both the years... There has been a manifestation of that. So I, I do agree that, that that's a fair point, And it's something that needs to be addressed. This past year, the one thing that I, I thought was positive with that was in 2020, I thought he was a bit brazen with the ball when he would yeah. be under pressure and start to run. Like it was one of those things where he would run with like 
like it was sort of like the the loaf of bread out like to the side <laughs> he and, did a lot yeah, yeah. and, and it, 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 it could just get battered away and it's like malik what are you doing man like you're like he's he has like michael vick type athleticism and he could run away from everyone it's like bro like why are you running with the ball like this and um and he he cleaned that up he absolutely cleaned that up this past season but whereas the previous season he had kept the the interceptions low, and perhaps even you can argue artificially so, because there was a couple that had been dropped. This season yes. it, it it ticked up a little bit. So again, that that is something that, that you're going to have to watch out for. It is something that in his profile, it, it's one of those things that that accelerates that risk profile a bit. And that's when we talk about there's not a sure thing. That is the thing that makes him not a sure thing. That 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 is there. But again, the, the, the ceiling is what it is. It's it's and, and it's a very real thing for him. And and I do think as far as the turnovers go, I think that there's been improvement there. And I think that there's also things within his profile that you can point to that explain why he's raw and also explain, um, like, if we keep him on this developmental course, we're going to be able to fix some of these things. Right. I absolutely agree. And you brought up the point about the ones that were dropped. There was one game, I was trying to remember which one I cut up. It was probably, I want to say Middle Tennessee, or maybe, is one of the ones against one of the defenses where you'd think he would destroy. And I thought there was at least three interceptions that were dropped. Like, there are times that I'm like, oh my gosh, like, he's he still seems a little careless when he's throwing the ball, and that's what makes, that what worries me. So I'm not going to bring up, I'm not going to keep beating this into the ground, but what about the, the lack of the performances in big games? I think part of it could probably be attributed to it was Liberty. You know, he, he was playing with wide receivers that are probably never going to see the, I mean, obviously never going to see the NFL, you know? So what do you think about, this is something that my buddy Andrew Harbaugh brought up the other day. That was a good point that, you know, he, Josh Allen got dinged for this a lot coming into this process. And you know, it was the fact of the wide receivers, the team he was playing with was terrible. Do you think that might have attributed a little bit to Willis's performances in big games being worse or? Well, yes. I, the one thing I would argue with that is I don't know if I would say he, I don't know if I would particular, um, uh, uh, that I would own in on uh, big games because I actually think he did pretty good in big games as far as with Liberty, right? Like, the Virginia, right. the Virginia Tech game, they were, what, 17.5-point favorites. They go into Blacksburg. Malik Will, uh, Willis doesn't have any NFL talent around him. He, the, the offensive line, zero NFL players on it. They had one of the worst offensive lines in the nation. Zero NFL receivers, zero NFL running backs. They may have one or two NFL defenders ultimately, but very few, if that. And they end up beating Virginia Tech in large part because he converted this fourth and three at midfield that was just one of the most ludicrous plays I've ever seen. That one where he, he pirouettes at midfield and he rolls off oh, to the yeah, right I remember that. and, and yep. hits hits that guy in the, the 50 yard bomb at the you know at the you know throws it 50 yards downfield and hits the guy at the at the pylon. Um, but he, you know, played fabulous in that game. Syracuse uh, and NC State, they did not beat them in 2020, but came within a point and they, they were double-digit underdogs in that game too. Um, but th- your point's well taken that in some of these games, in, in games where like the opponent, you would think that he would just absolutely destroy them. He, you look at the box score and it's like, what the F? Like um, right. the, the, the one game from this, because this past season, when, when it was coming into it, like Liberty in 2020, I believe it gone 10 and one, I think it was. And then coming into this season, they had, I believe, 10 defenders back. And then they had 
it, it was some, it was either 10 or 11. And then on offense, they had nine guys back, I think. And uh, of course, Malik Willis was one of them. So, uh, you know, you're sort of expected, even though they had a couple um, uh, power five teams on, on their schedule, you're thinking like, man, maybe even though I, they don't, again, they, they uh, once again, don't have a ton of uh, uh, talent around Malik Willis. They certainly have a lot of experience coming back alongside him. And, and I believed in his talent. So I was thinking F maybe, maybe this team can go undefeated. It, that didn't happen. And not only that, they, whereas the year before they, they had, they had had a couple of these enormous upsets. They were on the receiving end of a couple enormous upsets, even bigger than, you know, they had had you Monroe being the big one. When, when that game got done, I, you know, you might know this from, from my job with NBC on Saturdays, I cover the games live. So like I'm, I'm given a schedule where it's like, I have three games I'm responsible for in every single slot. So I have like three screens up. I wasn't covering UO Monroe and Liberty live, but it was one of those things where you're seeing the score and you're like, what the hell is going on here? And so I, I, I saw the box score and I watched the highlights afterwards and you're seeing the, the broadcast view and it, like w- when you're watching, you're like Malik. What are you doing, man? Because there, there were some throws on the broadcast thing where it's just like, bro. Like what what's going on? I watched the all 22 in in January or February. The the cut up of that game, and it's when you watch some of the all 22 of Malik and some of these games where he struggled, you start to get a bit more context. It bakes in some of the the context of the degree of difficulties he was facing in some of these games. With Ewell Monroe, you get a sense both for how bad Malik's offensive line was, but also for how bad his his receivers were. Ewell Monroe was, uh, first of all, their defensive line was caving in Liberty's offensive line the whole game. But it it wasn't just the the man-on-man that they were beating them. Ewell Monroe was also doing some of the things that, like, um, you see Belichick's Patriots doing sometimes where it's like, They'll have like the, the the five or six guys on the defensive front just sort of standing there right before the snap. And then they'll like fan out right before the snap. And Liberty's offensive line, it was like they had never seen it before. And they're like, who do we block? Who do we block? And all of a sudden, like all the guys from UL Monroe were like through there. And so what you would see with, with Malik was he was immediately scrambling out to the right every single play. Not because he was bailing the pocket prematurely, as sometimes it appeared on television. You know, when you're just seeing sort of the zoomed in, in, in look on him. It was because he had to. He saw immediately the enemy was at the gate. And a couple of these throws where they appeared on the broadcast to be worm burners to his receiver, where the ball would, would, would come, you know, like would, would land like three feet in front of his receiver. When you see in the all 22, you'd see again, you know, you'd see him starting to roll out immediately and you'd see the four receivers out there. Nobody had any separation. I mean, they, they didn't have much time to get into their route, but, you know, none of them had any separation whatsoever. And so what Malik Willis was doing was essentially rolling it over to the next play. He didn't have anywhere to scramble, and he was essentially throwing the ball away, but it was at the, you know, the foot of the receiver, so the ball couldn't be intercepted. So you got a little bit more context for that. He did start to press a little bit in that game as it went on and tried to take a little bit more chances as opposed to these sort of quasi-throwaways. That's what led to some of these interceptions. It, 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 it's, I'm certainly not trying to explain that game away. He, he did not have a great game. But the situation he was in was different than some of these other quarters. Even a guy like Justin Herbert, when, you know, during his process, I was explaining to people he was in a different situation than, than for instance, Tua was or that, that Jalen Hurts had been. And Jalen Hurts played with some of the most talent that any quarterback the last 20 years had, had played with, you know, between Oklahoma, Oklahoma yeah. and Alabama. 
uh, Justin, you know, Tua had he had played with with a crap ton of talent at, at Alabama. Justin Herbert hadn't played with nearly as much. You know, if you looked at his wide receiver one, if you looked at the running backs he played, he hadn't played with nearly as much talent. Certainly, guys that behooved his skill set. You know, a guy that can throw the ball seventy five yards downfield. Who did he have at Oregon that could get the ball seventy five yards downfield and, and, and make the play? With Malik Willis, it's even way further than that. He didn't have guys that could block for him. He didn't have guys that could even you know run effing button hooks and, and, and make the play. So, so yeah. w- 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 with some of these stuff, you have to, you have to bake that in a little bit. And, and like I said, when you watch the all 22, you get a little bit more context for it. That's why I was excited to see him at the senior bowl. I, he was my QB one going into the senior bowl. I, you know, I wasn't alone, but I, I was, it wasn't a total Island, but there wasn't a ton of people that were with me, but you know, it wasn't like at, at that point, I was still willing to have my mind change. You know, I, I think like, Going into this, you can't ever – you have to be willing to, to have your mind change based on the information coming in. You know, that that's something with evaluation that I'm always open to. And the thing with Malik was I want to see him playing with real players. How does that change his game? And with Malik, what, what, um, what I was really excited about in Mobile was it, what I wanted to see is what happened where his – it just his game accelerated up. He didn't have to immediately start scrambling out to the right every single play like he did at Liberty because his line would hold up the first couple of seconds. So he could actually sit there and look around. And whereas one of the, the criticisms on his profile was he doesn't go through his progressions. Well, how can you go through your progressions when you're getting pressure a second in, you know, after the snap every single time. So it, it was nice to see that at least in Mobile, and again, this is, you know, it's a it's an all-star exhibition, of course, and stuff like that. But, you know, when they were doing the team drills, he was he was going through the, the progressions and everything just as effectively as, for instance, a Sam Howell or a Kenny Pickett. And that, again, that was the first time that he had gotten to play behind a comparable offensive line with comparable skill talent that those guys had. And and Malik Willis was the clear best quarterback on the field, at least for that one week. In, in when, when you're in the lab and all other variables were the same for the first time. Yeah, very good points. Yeah, I do like how you mentioned that, that he did often keep his team in the game, even when, like you mentioned, the NC State game. He was atrocious in that game. 13 of 32. Like 40% completion rate, three interceptions, but he kept his team in the game. That's one thing I do like. The kid's got some moxie and he's got some fire to the way he plays. I guess the the one thing I did want to see was I wanted to see better against Old Miss this year. You know, that that was one, like his litmus test this year. And it, it was not pretty. You know, it was one of the more disappointing games, I think, in his career that I watched. I, I was pretty sad that he didn't have a better game in that. So these next questions, I, I don't, they're really hard to to say, you know, like what I, I, I worded it as what does Willis have that Crowell doesn't and what does Crowell better in, but that's kind of hard. We could go on like a 30 minute tangent if we, we go down this path. So I guess just, I mean, what do you see in that? I mean, I know the upside for Willis is a lot higher than these other three guys. I still have Corral number one, but in a rookie draft, I would take Willis first because of that upside. I'm not going to lie. He is going to be I think in Superflex, he is the 101. And I don't even think it's a, a question anymore. But I think down the road, I think Corral, I think he has a better chance of being a better quarterback. But he definitely has a lo- you know a little more of that. Um, I'm trying to think how to word it. You know, I, I think that 
like Willis has the higher upside and Corral has more questions, I guess. Howell has more questions. Pickett has more questions. You know, so what, what would you, God, I don't know where the hell I'm going with this Thor. I'm not gonna lie. Like a comparison, <laughs> sort of a, yeah. like a, a qualitative comparison between the yeah, three. Like, like, yeah. Like, like kind of, yeah. Like what, where do, where do you see, like, how is Corral going to excel and how is he going to fail? How is Howell going, you know, as opposed to Willis? Yeah, yeah. I guess. Well, so I, I really like Corral. I, I really yes. do. I, I think that I'm higher on Corral than probably the average. Um, I, you know, then, you know, however, however you say, like consensus or whatever. Corral is my QB two. You know, obviously mm-hmm. Willis is one, Corral's two. The, the one thing that concerns me about Corral, it's how slight his frame is. Oh, um, yeah. He's and, funny. And, He's very scrawny. Um, now, the, the the one thing that 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 people should um, how do I say this? The, the the one thing that where it does not manifest where where Corral has a huge arm. So so the the, the thing about him being skinny, people got to understand he has a huge arm. So so like yes, he he's on the shorter side. You know, he he's just a little bit over six foot, and he you know he plays he, at least he played last year a bit under two hundred pounds. But irregardless of that, he absolutely has a top three arm in this class, and he might have the number two arm, just in pure arm talent, pure arm strength behind Malik Willis. For me, it's it's between him and Carson Strong for that. Um, so I, that deserves deserves to be said. The reason why it's an issue, um, and and it could you know manifest here in the future, is because another big part of Corral's game is the athleticism and his ability to steal yards as a runner, which is a real thing, and it's it's a thing that adds value to his game because the, you know like going back to Malik Willis, what makes Malik Willis so dangerous is you it's a geometry problem where he can throw the ball 75 yards down the field more or less accurately make plays down the field there so you, you have to defend it vertically but also horizontally so you have to defend every single inch of the field against Malik Willis Matt Corral makes you do a very similar thing where he can he can chuck the feet the ball that far down the field he can also steal uh you know the the yards as a runner whenever he wants it, it's it's not he's not as athletic as Malik Willis of course but he's extremely smart knowing when the the defense has taken away the primary options. I'm just going to, you know, steal it as a scrambler. But the issue is because of his frame and because he's, he's a really gutsy uh, type player, he's going to take the shots. He, or at least he did at Mississippi. He didn't learn or He at least has not learned yet. Um, I need to, to get down. I, uh, slide and, and move it on to the next play. If if he doesn't learn to consistently do that in the NFL, defensive coordinators are just going to tell their players, mm-hmm. if, if he's out in the open field, you take that shot. Just, just keep smoking this guy because we're going to knock him out of the game. Like happened at Mississippi, he's going to miss games consistently in his NFL career unless he learns to protect his body. That's going to be a problem. So I don't know how much more muscle that frame can take on. You know, like he's probably going to max out of like 210 pounds because it's just a naturally sort of life frame. So again, he, you know, he, he does have to put in some work adding some muscle, but it's, it's, it's only going to take on as much as it can take on outside of that. He's going to have to learn uh, to, to, to slide, but th- there's a lot of things to like about his game. Very, very talented arm. Also has the athleticism. 
I, I like his moxie a lot. He, he's a guy, where, and, and, and I don't mean moxie as, you know, people will toss it out as a cliche. Let me be very specific about an on-field utility about what I'm talking about. Sam Howell is a risk-averse quarterback. You saw that this past season where he lost the four uh, skill guys, Javante, Michael Carter, uh, Daz Newsome, and Diami, where before, when when his receivers, whenever they would get um, um, the, the separation and stuff like that, he was happy to take the chance because it wasn't really a chance. Even throwing the ball 60 yards downfield, if, if Diami had a step on his guy, he was going to you know, air it out and take the chance or whatever, because it wasn't actually a chance. But once he didn't have those guys anymore, Sam Howell became the scramble show. He didn't want to put the ball in, in harm's way when, when he didn't have easily the best of it. Matt Corral is a guy that's going to consistently test the defense. He trusts his arm and he trusts his teammates. There's a big difference there. Desmond Ritter is another guy that I put more on the risk averse side of things. I want the quarterback that's going to consistently test the defense because not only are you testing the defense, you're also trusting your teammate and you're also you're on sort of the the line of continuum of of improving as a player. If, if you're going to keep you know sort, sort of pushing the envelope like that, Matt Corral shown that during his career, and I, I think Lane Kiffin was was a big part of that as well. So th th there's a lot to like about him. As far as Kenny Pickett, he's sort of on the the opposite side of it, where he's more of like a. Um, an Andy Dalton uh, type quarterback or uh, um, Teddy, totally Bridge, agree. You know, Teddy Bridgewater, the absolute bonanza. If everything went right, you know, like he would be, he would have Kirk Cousins's career. If it's, if it's just absolute hallelujah bonanza type, but I think he's probably more looking like a Teddy Bridgewater career or a Andy Dalton career. The, the, the thing you like about him is he gets the ball in the short to intermediate area where it's supposed to go. It, it was also the best part of Mac Jones's evaluation. So I, I don't mean to sort of damn by faint praise, although I don't think he is quite as good of a, a prospect as Mac Jones. So you, you could probably think of him as like 92% of, of Mac Jones, you know, like right. sort of like, sort, sort of like that. But um, the, the thing that, uh, you know, again, you know, the, the, their strengths there, but the thing that I, I think, you know, concerns me about Kenny Pickett, it's not even the hand size and stuff like that. Like, you know, right. the, 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 the people that say he played, uh, you know, five years outdoors in Pitt, th they're right. But the, the, the thing that concerns me about it is he played five years at Pitt and his game didn't peak until he had one of the nation's best receiving cores. He had one of the nation's best offensive coordinators. He also had one of the nation's best uh, wide receiver coaches who invented an offense in and of itself that was baked into their offense this past season, who then was hired by Steve Sarkeesian to be Texas's wide receiver coach. So he... Kenny Pickett last season had just about everything that you would want for a quarterback that needs his supporting cast to be perfect. Like a, a quarterback whose supporting cast is always going to inform how good he is, as opposed to the opposite. Like, like Malik Willis is a guy who can play his supporting cast up. Kenny Pickett is a guy who needs his supporting cast to play him. Up. Oh, that's beautifully said. That, that is exactly, I, I don't understand that anybody has Pickett as quarterback one. I mean, yeah. I just, yeah, I just, I just like, what? <laughs> like, I think he'll be all right. Yeah, and, I, and I do like Howell a lot as well, but I, I do also think that he is just safe. You know, he's just an all right guy. I think the Baker Mayfield comparison is eh, uh, maybe a little off, but, but also probably kind of close, you know, like I, as far as his trajectory, I think he's probably a little bit better. I, I like him as a passer better, but I do wonder seeing the mobility this year, what was kind of nice as well. And then, the corral thing, you hit it right on the head. I think he will be less of a rushing threat in the NFL or else he's going to get Robert Griffin. I mean, he's just, he can't take the yeah. hits like that. So 
that that's the only thing that does worry me. I think he'll have enough with his legs to be a decent fantasy, you know, that it will be, you know, a guy that'll give you 30, 40 extra yards, you know, that, that's good, you know, and as long as he can keep progressing as a passer, that, that's fine. So I'm, I'm not going to argue against Willis. Like I said, I, he has, he is the 101, I believe, but I just worry about his long term. That's and that kind of led me into the last question as to where you see them in five years. And I think you pretty much just painted the picture, you know, that if everything goes well for Pickett, he's, you know, Andy Dalton. And goes well for Sam Howell. He's, you know, a little bit better than Baker Mayfield. Hopefully he's not fighting for his job his whole career. You know, Corral, I don't know where you could see him in five years. I think he could be a really good, you know, quarterback two, maybe low end quarterback one. And then Willis in five years, if everything falls right, he could be the quarterback one. You know, like what we're talking with Lamar Jackson. I, I worry about a system. You know, I want to get him in a system that will evolve around his game like Lamar Jackson. You know, some teams don't know what to do with that type of quarterback. So you've got to get a quarterback and you got to land somewhere where they will use his game. And uh, he keeps Pittsburgh, keeps being brought up, which I think would be amazing. I don't think Detroit can do that. I really don't want them to take him at two. Like I really, and I, I really don't want them to take him at two because that organization has not shown me the ability to do that. They fucked up Calvin Johnson's career. They fucked up Barry Sanders' career. I mean, I know it's not the same regime, but at the same time, you know, come on, Lions. You've had beautiful, you've had great players before. So, oh, for, yeah. For a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. And it, it, it would be super. And who knows? Maybe, maybe this is what they need to, to finally get out of the doldrums is, is to roll the dice in a big way. Go, go to Vegas and put it all on black or put it all on red and just let <laughs> the, the, the roulette wheel go as far as Sam, the Sam Howell to Baker Mayfield I just wanted to touch on that really quick that that used to be my comp as well you know the like the 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 body type the the way that they play you know sort of similar and stuff like that I think Howell even might have a, a slightly better arm and might even be slightly more athletic I I had to take that comp off though simply because go, going back to sort of that gumption and and moxie thing this past season, I seen that that Howell don't got it. Like what 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 Mayfield showed me um, in college was like that that sort of risk taker, uh, you know, gambler sort of thing. Not just deep down the field, but like um, one cool thing about Baker at at Oklahoma was like he'd do all these trick shot throws, like in the intermediate area, that was like really unique. Like you know, trying to throw, like you know, like he he would have a guy coming across the middle, and he'd have a a defender really close on him, but trailing him. And he'd, he'd throw the ball over both of their shoulders, but just get it, you know, over, over his guy's shoulder, but just, you know, like seven yards downfield, you know, but it was like a, a, a trajectory math sort of a shot that you, you typically don't see uh, quarterbacks in college throw things like that. Like I said, trick shots in the intermediate area. Sam Hall don't do stuff like that. He, he, he don't take shots like that. He, he never put the ball in, 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 in harm's way. His with, with, with the system that UNC runs, it's all these half field reads. And when he's got the, the 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 numbers in it, his advantage with the one on one shot downfield, that's what he takes. Otherwise, it, it's a simple, you know, sort of uh, the, the secondary check down thing. And last season, um, you know, again, when it wasn't, I always have the four skill guys on, on the NFL skill guys on the field. He just scrambled after that. It was literally just okay. I'm I'm done. I'm taking my ball and going home. And he, he would scramble around. That that really concerns me that he didn't trust his arm enough to make plays with non NFL uh, skill guys, and so because of that, I had to switch my like my comp for him now is Will Greer, you know, like I I just for, for me I don't see I just, it with Sam yeah. with Sam Howell anymore because I don't in college if you can't win with non NFL players 
I don't know what to do with you then. You know, like his game just absolutely fell off a crater without them. You you didn't you know for Malik Willis never played with NFL you know with NFL players. He was still beating some of these ACC teams that Sam Howell was struggling with when Sam Howell had. A t- I mean, even this past season without the four guys that he had, Sam Hall had a ton more talent than Malik Willis had. So it, it's just sort of a, a, a different thing. And even though Sam Howell's got some RPMs in his arm, and even though he does have some scrambling ability, he doesn't read the field yet. Um, he doesn't have that thing where he trusts his arm enough, a good arm, you know, but he doesn't trust it enough to test those windows. I just wonder why did Sam Howell come out as a third year junior coming off the season he came off of? It didn't seem like his head was, was sort of, I shouldn't say not screwed on straight. It it didn't seem like he was confident in his own game coming off the season. He just had, he goes, you know, he he goes to the senior bowl where he's coached by the lions. He was, he was on Sam Howell's roster. I'm sorry. He was on Malik Willis's roster. Malik Willis had this like sort of, um, you know, like, um, uh, you know, announcing myself to the world sort of a week. And meanwhile, like Howell just sort of, you know, shirked back, you know, yeah. it, it was, it, it was sort of the opposite thing. So he has not had a good process so far. And I, I think because of that, a guy that, you know, last year at this time, everyone would have had him in the first round of their mock drafts. At this point, I would be pretty, pretty surprised if Sam Howell goes in the first round. Yeah, he's he's still a guy that I think could could be successful if he sat for a couple of years and maybe cleaned up some of the things you like. Because I loved him as a freshman, loved him as a sophomore, yeah. but this year is just whew, it was rough. And yeah, rough. I almost well, he, he probably could have came back and he should have at a better spot next year. So for sure, I mean, past Stroud and um, freaking I who's the other big guy? Bryce, Bryce Young. Young. Uh, yeah, yeah, behind Stride and yeah, Stride, uh, Stroud and Young, it's pretty open next year. Yeah, I mean, because Howell would have gone into next season, presumably, I think, is the top senior quarterback. And right. so, like, you know, you know, I, I'm sure what the the thought process from his team was is like, you know, as you know, this quarterback class is viewed as a down quarterback class, and mm-hmm. they probably thought, well, Sam, you had the the great first two years, and you're going to be the only true junior that goes into this class, so you know, you're going to have a great, uh, you know, pre-draft process and, you know, you're going to, you know, rally up to QB one, but I, I, I don't know about that advice. I, if I was him, I, I think I would have come back because the, the year he was coming off of would, was pretty bad. Right. I think nobody, yeah, this whole off season has, has definitely boosted Willis up a lot and has hurt all the, all the other guys. I mean, every, everybody, and then Corral not being able to do it all definitely hurt him. So it's definitely seems like it's quarterback one for Willis now and nobody, almost nobody, nobody disagrees. So, all right, well, Thor, I'm going to wrap it up, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Can you tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and what you are working on? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Thor KU and you can find my work at NBC sports edge. Um, in fact, today I am dropping my third mock draft, um, a three round mock draft. I've been, uh, slaving away these last couple of days on it. Um, just finishing up the, uh, the write-up. So I'm going to be dropping it probably in the next couple hours. So check that out. Awesome. Thank you very much, man. This will actually air tomorrow, but you know, oh. anyways, <laughs> it, it, it will be, it, it's up now. It's up now. <laughs> it's up now. Yeah. Right. Magic. Well, thank you, man. And you can find me on Twitter, FF people's champ, this podcast, daily draft RPRT. Thank you all very much for listening. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. <laughs>